his goal to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. Yo, yo. Kia ora, everybody. What's up? It is Rebet Hollis. Welcome to Rebet Live, episode 316. I hope your Saturday is cruising along well. It's 12.03pm in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and it is 5.03pm here in Silicon Valley, San Francisco, half around the world. Uh, on the show, we talk about three things, commerce, community, and culture. Simple goal of the show is, you know, I have this overarching belief. New Zealand wins when New Zealanders win. Part of the show is being able to talk to smart, awesome Kiwis doing great things to help try and change the narrative around what it means to be successful, what it means to be able to go there out there and push it and do it. Coming up on today's show, just a moment, trauma recovery coach Gemma Rose. She's an absolute weapon. She's had a range of governance, leadership, management, fundraising, communications, community building, all sorts of stuff, and very passionate about social innovation. Learn, uh, joining me for Learn and Share Repeat today is Viv Conway. She's a co-founder of Instagram specialist company Ace the Gram worked with many big companies, so she understands the social landscape, finger on the pulse with all the good stuff that's happening in terms of um, education, what's coming up in the world of technology. And after one o'clock, I chat with Clinton Farley. After two decades, come back from uh, across the ditch from New Zealand, from Australia, and he's returned home to open Hotel Britomart. We've also got uh, Te Reo Time, Young Bucks, and a whole bunch more. Uh, question of the day. I've been trying to, I, was, I wasn't actually going to so much have a question as such, but it was actually more just opening up the floor so you can be able to text me through on 3920 with your thoughts on Roe versus Wade. Now, you just would have heard the news broadcast before. It is a pretty big deal. Basically, the US Supreme Court voted five to four to overturn the um, landmark 1973 decision, um, which basically takes away the constitutional right for abortion in, in, um, in America. And it's just blowing up everywhere in the States right now. It is absolutely everyone, every single channel, everyone's absolutely losing their stuff. And I guess a bit of feedback for New Zealand would be, you know, what are your thoughts on this? In terms of the commercial side and the business stuff, already if you go through LinkedIn, so many businesses are jumping up and throwing their support saying, look, we're going to, we will give free travel to an employee who wants to travel out of state to be able to get an abortion. We will do this stuff. Uh, send me through your th thoughts on this. Obviously, I'm not a female, but I've got some um, pretty strong feelings that, you know, <laughs> you should be able to control what you do with your own flipping body. But um, text me through your thoughts on 392 or the number to call in is 0800 Today FM. All right, let's get into the show. The time now is 12.05 p.m. Starting live on Today FM. Our World Cup of New Zealand cities. Let the battle commence. Tauranga versus Dunedin. Coming Monday on Today FM. Roland, my first guest for this afternoon is Gemma Rose. Her career spends eight years working across the charitable and philanthropic sectors. Uh, she's the host of the Take Your Meds podcast, which I was fortunate enough to be on, that just came out a little bit ago, last week, I think, an intuitive guide and trauma-informed leadership coach. She works with impact-driven humans to deepen their connection with themselves to experience greater peace, purpose, and personal power. Oh, great little opener. Uh, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, Gemma Rose. Solid intro. I obviously didn't write that. That was great, by the way. That was strong. I liked it. <laughs> Kia ora. thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's great to reconnect. Uh, well, it's awesome to have the um, the tables turn on the other side 
Last time we we spoke for on on your podcast, it was you asking going deep on a whole bunch of stuff, which I don't usually talk about. And so I figured it'd be great to return the favour, bring you bring you on to the final here with today FM, and um have you in the mix. So we'll start first things first. How is your um, Matariki weekend going? How's the Saturday? How are you feeling? How's how's life flowing for you? Mm, Matariki was beautiful. I spent um, I spent last night with a circle of um, really beautiful humans and ceremony and. Um, you know, we really acknowledged everything that was and was really mindful about what it was we want to plant for the year ahead. So, yeah, I'm feeling good. And the sun's shining here in Kitty Kitty Door, so I'm stoked. <laughs> Mean. Very cool. Because it sounds like your Saturday is charging along. Um, I wanted to jump into um, when we spoke, you talked a lot about, you know, this this new wave of, of leadership and this new, um, this whole new kind of construct of how a lot of new leaders are sort of rolling and, and rocking. So maybe we'll start here. From all the people that you've interviewed and the amount that you've, I guess, communicated and talked with people, what is the biggest overarching thing which you think is really coming through with the best new leaders of the future that we're seeing in Aotearoa today? What a powerful question, Robert. Yeah, I feel something Brian McKenzie said you know, the quality of the leader's nervous system will be reflected in the quality of the team. And so as leaders, I I have a very strong sense that if we're not aware of the ways that stress can manifest through our bodies and that that's very unconscious for a lot of people, um, that's going to have a really big impact on our ability to lead others effectively and achieve outcomes. So yeah, for everyone listening, I mean, getting really curious about what your stress response is. It might be fight, flight, freeze or fawn. And then understanding what are those trigger points for you as a leader where that gets activated and look, looking at the different ways that that gets activated in your team. And then, you know, being really mindful and conscious, like, you know, we're human beings, not human doings. So what is the leadership in the workplace around... Uh, the nature of life being stressful. What what are the mechanisms in place to support well-regulated nervous systems in the workplace? So you mentioned something there, um, Jimmy. You said you know freeze or fawn or, or, or flight or fight. I've heard fight or flight. I get that. I haven't heard of freeze or fawn. Talk me through just those two quickly. Mm. With with I guess you know something obviously happens. Your brain does something, and then you kind of have these responses. Fight or flight. I get. What is just quickly? What is yep. freeze or fawn? Yeah, freeze is kind of like um, playing dead. You just kind of stopped in your tracks. Um, you might be disassociating and disconnecting and numbing out, um, but it's a real like abandoned ship immediately. So you just kind of, yeah, block out everything that's going on. Um, and then fawn is more of a people pleasing and an appeasing type style. So mm. wanting to make sure everyone else and everything else is, okay when you're very not okay and that is a fast track to burnout got you um you're talking about in the little intro they were, they were um, saying you know trying to get these leaders to help them deepen connection with with themselves mm -hmm. what percentage of leaders in new zealand that you've actually talked talked to actually do this uh, proactively you self-consciously aware of what they're doing to deepen connection with themselves to make them better leaders for their for their friends for their family for their businesses organizations you know how big of the gap of in this ecosystem is it yeah i, w I want to say the sad truth is i think there's a big gap um i think there's really good intent i think we all intend for 
our teams to be well and for us to be well and for whānau at home to be well. But I think the more I interview people, the more I notice that integrity gap between what happens in the workplace and what happens out when we're uh, leading and executing and, um, you know, game-changing and innovating with what's actually happening at home. And if, if we're going home and our whānau are getting the worst bits or... Um, where ourselves are getting our worst bits, that is a really good sign that something's out of whack. But I think the intentions there, it's just how do we actually build that bridge from, yep, we care about well-being, and yes, we understand the importance of this, to what does that look like and sound like, and how do we make practical steps to get there? Hmm. So what, how big do you think the gap is? Like 80% not doing it, 90% not doing it? <laughs> From the people that I've interviewed, I'd I'd probably say, yeah, I'd say up around 70%. So it's the majority. Not doing it. Not doing it. Yeah, it's definitely the majority. And I think this trauma-informed leadership space is emerging, Um, certainly not for Indigenous peoples and cultures, but certainly for, you know, more Western cultures and um, leadership in the current paradigm. It's it's kind of new, you know. The, definitely the science I'm learning and, and am a part of is quite emergent. So I think there's some compassion there as well. Like, you know, we're all doing the best we can with what we've got until we know better and then we do better. So, yeah. And what do you think the biggest shift in uh, styles of leadership that actually seems to be working better from, let's fast forward, on 20 or 30 years, I guess old school versus new school? Yeah, I think it's seeing the person as a human being, you know, really understanding that what's being presented in front of you in terms of um, behaviour in the workplace is a result of many factors. And so if we're taking these traditional approaches to shifting KPIs and organisational behaviour and management, you know, going down these particular routes without the understanding of trauma... I feel we're really missing the mark on how we get to the root cause of what's actually going on and how we actually increase performance and make better culture and, um, you know, drive better outcomes. So I think this is a really cool piece of the puzzle that can be um, plugged into the ecosystem to support people to do well, but also support organisations to thrive. Mm. Very cool. The um, You obviously just would have heard the news before this whole uh, Roe vs Wade thing, you talk about trauma, mm. I'm guessing there's mm. as we speak absolutely millions of uh, women all over America feeling a certain way, millions of men wanting to support it feeling a certain way, when you look at the system or when you look at the situation from I guess half around the world I'm here in the States and you're obviously in Aotearoa what, where does your mm. brain go to in terms of what you think the actual real issues that are happening here are where, where does your brain go? Yeah, I, I guess as I was reading the news, I was really just focused on, you know, where where is the support? I mean, I, I feel we are so polarised in our thinking that our identity has become a, uh, a political thing. And so when we have people that disagree with us, it becomes a... a uh, a criticism of who we actually are, but I feel like we've misconnected the two, you know, who we be is who we are, not necessarily our identity. So, um, you know, when I see that news, my heart just breaks because I know that there is an infrastructure there to support people in their stress responses, no matter what side of the coin people are on. 
Um, but those that that long term impact of that stress unprocessed without the right support is is going to be really detrimental to society. So, yeah, I think um, it's more important than ever for us to really be understanding trauma and having these conversations around what it means within the body, within the mind, and then the ongoing impacts when it's not resolved. Well, it's similar as well. If you look at COVID, what happened with the long tail of the mental health implications that I feel are going to be pretty dramatic in terms of, you know, people growing up almost generationally, some of them not even communicating or, or touching or playing with other kids as they're growing up as young little toddlers, a whole bunch of people locked in locked in spaces. You know, there's going to be a long tail of mm. that, potentially similarly as well for yeah. that. Um, so before we go, I'm, I'm keen to actually dig into one little thing with you. For New Zealand right now in terms of, let's say, business and, and leadership, if you were, um, if you could, you know, sprinkle your magic little Gemma Rose dust all over Aotearoa to make it, as good as possible, as better, as great as possible it could be, what what would you do specifically? What would you like to see happen that would be practical or tactical or, or something that would really shift the dial to make Aotearoa better for, for business, for community, for culture and more? Holy shit, what a freaking question. <laughs> hey, we asked the, you asked me a whole bunch of hard stuff. I, can, I may as well figure out, it's like, you know, you, I'll, I'll get you with one back. I've got to try and return the favour, jeez. <laughs> Yeah, favor return. Cheers. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, right now there is an opportunity for us to really look at that trauma word. And I know it has a big charge for a lot of people. It's like, oh, you know, like I can't even say it. Um, and a lot of people think, you know, I haven't had it as bad as this person or, you know, I shouldn't feel this way because other people have it way worse than me or you know, we go through these kinds of um, modes of thinking, but the reality is we all experience stress and we all make sense of that stress based on our current ability to make meaning within the mind. And so if we make meaning of stress and isolation and create a set of beliefs, a set of attitudes and a set of rules about the world that actually further disconnect us from the present moment and the authenticity of who we are, that can be quite dangerous. And so, you know, what we're also seeing with the research, trauma is stored in the body, but we don't know how to actually support our bodies to release the energetic charge that takes place after stressful life events. And so, you know, wave a magic wand. I think these conversations are normalized where we acknowledge stress is a part of life. We have stress responses. And what does it look like to create safe spaces within the workplace and within our whānau and within communities where we can actually acknowledge the tough stuff that's gone on and process it through the mind in a safe way, through the body in a healthy way and ensure that we're staying connected to opportunities, we're staying connected to potential and we're staying connected in community with each other and not driving further disconnections. So... You know, that, that would be my magic wand. <laughs> no, I, I, I get it. And then I'm always intrigued when people under, uh, get into the headspace of, of others. Finally, one last one. is What do you think is the like the biggest belief that most of us believe, that most Kiwis believe, that isn't actually true? Like what's one thing we, the majority of us kind of tell ourselves? Mm. It's, it's not real, but the majority of us actually sort of tell ourselves. You know what, this has been something I've been studying in my clients, um, you know, and also just making sense of through the podcast interviews as well. And, 
you know, we have uh, so many beliefs that are sitting in the subconscious. 95% of our lives, you know, of, of the way that the brain works is in this kind of autopilot mode. And so when we begin to dig a bit deeper within the subconscious, the core beliefs that seem to run, uh, and it and it surprised me. I didn't realize I had this running, and I didn't realize so many high performers had it running. Uh, mm. I am unworthy, and I am unlovable, and I am not good enough. And these are programs we received in our childhood from our caregivers or our, our families of origin, from our teachers or uh, from the education system we were a part of uh, through to culture and media, government. Um, these are subliminal uh, little programs that get embedded into the psyche. And if we don't do the work to actually take stock of what we have learnt, uh, that can drive some really, um, really harmful behaviour, even when we have good intentions. Mm. There you go. So the three things are you are worthy, you are lovable, and you are good enough. Absolutely love it. That's Thank it. You. That's it. Go. And so from that place, what becomes possible? If you knew that, what becomes possible for you? How do you be in the world? It's a game changer. Well, more is possible, I believe. More. More is possible. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Jim. Absolutely love it and appreciate it. We had a solid, amazing uh, podcast chat. If you're listening you want to check that out, you can just go to uh, t find the Take Your Meds podcast, which is on Spotify and whatever, and Gemma Rose. Uh, thank you yeah. for your time. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Love your style. Thanks so much. Thanks, Robert. Enjoy. That was Gemma Rose. Such a weapon. Always interesting going like introspectively looking into the brains of how leaders um, think, how they operate, and also what's more. Don't forget you can text me through on 3920 and the number to call if you've got some feedback, 0800 Today FM, which translates to 863293. We'd love to hear what, you, what you're thinking, what's bubbling, and the question obviously from today was about the big stuff happening here in the States with Roe vs Wade, massive. Uh, right after the break, have you ever wondered how the world of fashion intersects with Matariki? Well, I'm going to be chatting with a student from Marlborough Girls College who's going to break it down for us for this week's uh, feature on Young Bucks. The time now is 12.21pm. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. We kick into the show, episode 316 for Rebet Live. Rebet Hollis here. Welcome to the show and hope you are rolling. Live from San Francisco, you can find the local frequency at todayfm.co.nz or, like most of us, you get your cell phone in your pocket, download the free Rover app on the App Store and you can rock and roll from there. All right, right now it's time for our weekly segment for Young Bucks. What is a Young Buck? Well, it's a little... Th I kind of just made this word up, I think, but I know it's sort of real. It's basically a young Kiwi doing good, great things that's on the come up in the world of business. And uh, this week we're stoked to be speaking with Te Ao Marama from Marlborough Girls College. She's the founder of Tita, one of, um, they're using fashion to share more about Matariki to the people of Aotearoa. Now, I don't know how they do it, which is why we've got them on the, on the show to find out more. Kia ora, Te Ao, how are you? Kia ora, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am... Thousands of kilometres away, but I feel right at home, which is A-OK -okay with me. <laughs> uh, where are you in Aotearoa today, and how's your Saturday rocking? We are in the Wido, which is Blenheim, and the Saturday is going pretty good, pretty chill. There you go. Okay, so 
I've got, they haven't given me the context, but the, what they've said is there's this intersection between fashion and matariki, and I want to know more. So let's pretend you're in a little shark tank. Let's pretend you've come up, and you're about to explain how this thing works. So go for it right now. What is Tita? So Tita, first of all, the name is T and Taz mixed together, and Taz is one of my best friends, and we're like sisters. So Tita, sister, so that's where our name comes from. But we are also producing rapper-style bootleg T-shirts, like the ones made of the rappers in the early 2000s. But instead of rappers, we are using a human figure of the Matariki stars, which there are nine Matariki stars, and they are going to be in the same arrangement as the constellation itself. Oh, there you go. So we're, talk, we're talking merchandising. All right, now we're getting into it. Okay, so how do you come up with the idea? And then where is the... the um, how do you sell it? How does it work? Talk me through the the mechanics 101 of how, how the business is operating, of, of, of what you've got going on. So here in Aotearoa Matariki, it is the first public holiday this year, which was yesterday. So it's a pretty big deal at the moment for the whole nation. Um, Living by the Stars um, is where we got our inspiration from. They have a cartoon map of the stars. And we took this inspiration and we also took inspiration from our own lives and we're really passionate about making our culture cool and relevant for people our age and we thought we would use a fashion trend that we also like. There you go. So how do you, uh, how do you make them? What's the manufacturing? How do you sell them? Talk me through the, the nuts and bolts of how, how this um, exists in the real world. So to save costs, we actually took the photos ourselves and we are designing the T-shirt ourselves as well. We work with a local business here in Marlborough who print the T-shirt onto blank garments and then we're going to sell them via a website to meet our target market and we've been promoting it all over social media. But yeah, so it's really fun and it's a different experience but we learn a lot from it as well. Oh yeah. Now, is this the first business you've ever you've ever started? I imagine at Marlborough Girls College. So, how old are you girls? So we, I'm 17, and my business partner is also 17. This isn't our first business, but it oh. is our first business together. It's our first business together. There you go. So you're already a, a multi entrepreneur. I, I like it. So at 17 <laughs> years old, getting into um, maybe a second or third uh, business now. What has been the biggest lesson you've learned from the first your first business that you're going to make sure you you do right in your in your second in this one? I think our biggest lesson from our first businesses that we ran was making sure that you get into the business like partner with the right people which is where we made the right decisions this time because we're so close and we know what each other's strengths are so my last business was just by myself and it's way better to have someone to bounce ideas off that's cool and also as well when there's complementary skill sets like if one is the creative and it's that's good with all the designs and stuff the other is good with the logistics and maybe the the process and the technical um things that's super cool as well very awesome so um before you go i want to ask you a lot of listeners to this show they won't be still at high school they won't even potentially be at university they some of them actually might even be retired they're just kicking back with their feet up or whatever but a lot of uh people that are listening won't live and breathe in, the, I guess, the social media world of digital marketing that you do. So when you are talking about your blasting out on social media, what are some of the things that you're doing to help advertise your company without spending any money? How are you, how are you marketing this thing specifically? 
So for us, it's really easy because we know what we're doing. We know how to use a cell phone. We've been brought up on it. Basically, what we do is try create content that relates to us and that we would want to see. So some of that is like behind the scenes of us actually taking the photos, funny Q&A um, videos with Taz and I, um, just producing aesthetic images that relate to our business and all of it um, aligns with each other. And I think the most important thing to do is use your hashtags to get your business. Um, TikTok's a really big platform at the moment where you can just share your product with the world. And it's really important that Māori businesses also support each other. So we post our business and our website and our other social media on a Facebook page called Buy Māori. And it's where all Māori um, small businesses support each other so that we can make a movement together. Good on you. So the um, in terms of platforms right now, how do you prioritise what social media platforms are the biggest in your eyes from one, two, three? If you've got a podium up there, social media is on there for you and your business right now, what's one, two, and three? One is definitely TikTok because you can reach so many people really fast. Two is Instagram and three is probably Facebook. There you go. Okay, so on the on the TikToks and also as well, the um the algorithm is basically built. If something goes viral quick, it can get to a lot more eyeballs a lot faster than some of the other platforms too. So before we go, we've got to give you some props here. If someone's listening to this right now and they're like, "Oh man, Tita sounds awesome. I'm going to support these these young bucks from down in Blenheim." Where can they go to and what can they do to to buy some of these shirts and support the cause and actually see potentially some of these TikToks and bits and pieces that you're doing? Um, to support. Tita on all social media platforms. Our handle is Tita Official. There you go. So direct on, and they can they can buy it straight off there off any of the different platforms. Yes. Perfect. All right. Well, hey, best of luck for um, for business number two or three, whatever it is. Amazing to see um, Young Bucks getting at it. And so I hope you enjoy the rest of the weekend down in Blenheim. And thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you for having us. Have a good of weekend. Course. Love your work. How cool is that? 17-year-olds rolling Blenheim, smashing it with their, their own little e-commerce business. Funny thing on that, which I was interested in, is they're selling direct to consumer off social without even their own other, other website. So they're not even bothering about, oh, I'd just go on this site, do that, just straight to social, straight popular. And also, I kind of had a feeling that I was wondering why I asked the question about the uh, social media platform f- for her, if she'd put TikTok above Instagram. I knew it'd be one of those three, but TikTok won. Instagram two, Facebook number three. There you go, and obviously they're using the hashtag uh, Tita Official or hashtag Buy Maori as well, which is which is very very cool. Good on them. Uh, the future is every time I ha- do that, that these sections, I get more confident and happy about the future of Alte- uh, business in Aotearoa when you got young weapons like that they are doing cool. I uh, don't f- don't forget you can text me through on three nine two zero the number to call as well if you want to have a banter. Oh eight hundred today FM coming up after the break. I've got business in a minute tip for you to help you get your business better in sixty seconds before ten hour time with the bro Kadepi McDonald. The time now is twelve thirty p.m. and it's five thirty in San Francisco. Rebet Live. Live from Silicon Valley. The hub of the tech universe. With tips on unleashing your entrepreneurial potential. On Today FM. We're rolling. Episode 316 of Rebet Live. Business in a minute. How to make your business better in one simple minute. 
quick little thing in Silicon Valley. It's all about data. It's all about technology. And those that usually have the most data usually make the most money. Pretty simple correlation. Question for you. Who owns the data in your, com- in your company uh, for the customers? Here's one tip. Collect emails. I know it's kind of old school, but think about it. When so much of everything else is existing on the social media platforms with everyone trying to push their products, push everything, the content you put out into the world is at the mercy of the algorithm, which changes every single day. One day you may get 100 people. The next day you might get 10,000 people. You have no control over something. And one of the biggest things, if all the social media went away tomorrow, is how would you contact with your clients? Yes, you could potentially have your cell phone numbers. That might be great. But email, email lists are a thing. And they're coming back, team. I'm telling you, they're coming back. So think about if all your socials went dead tomorrow, do you have a list of all your customers or everyone that engages with you or your brand? I've got my own social media. I've got my LinkedIn. I've got my Facebook, I've got Instagram. But I also have an email newsletter. And I've got an email newsletter because I want to have everyone's information so I can go direct to consumer, direct to the customer, direct to the community, direct to the people that want to hear from me. Simple thing, start collecting emails in your businesses or try to find out who your customers are exactly and how you can get to them without anyone in the middle. It's like the movie American Gangster. Frank Lucas goes straight to the source and then he doesn't need to worry about anything else, just straight to the consumer, straight to it. So, thing for today, business a minute, a little bit more than a minute, but get access direct to the customer without anyone in the middle. However you can do that, it's going to make your life a lot, lot easier. And that is how to get more out of your business. It is 12.35 p.m. Learning Tereo, one phrase at a time. Rebet's Tereo on Rebet Live. I will never, never, ever, ever, ever get sick of listening to that song because it is a banger. Right now it's Tereo time. As we do every week, we catch up with the bro, Karepe McDonald. How are you, my friend? How are you? Oh, We've lost him already. We lost him. And this is Matagu. We're going to try and get him back on the line. Each week, Karepe joins us and he'll talk to us little phrases, kiwaha o te wikis, or, or phrase of the week. Um, and this week, oh, this week, you'd think this week we'd have Matariki, we'd have him on. Dwee's back. Are you there, brother? Oh, tēnā koe. Go ahead, bro. I'm, the reception nah. dropped out. Hey, dude, I know you're doing the East Coast Ngāti Parau thing, mate. You might be out fishing, you might be out hikarangi, you might be doing something awesome. Uh, so on this Saturday, how is it, let's get into this first. How is your matariki? How is you in the whānau and oh, what have we got yeah. on for today? Um, this week's kiwaha uh, whakatauki is a line from Twining Awais Waiata Matariki and hey Fakanui to Waiata Matariki say Kumatariki te fitu hei arataki e atitukinoa means Matariki may guide us to complete all that has been started. So one purpose of Matariki is to remember everything we've started in the last 12 months and he tikanga o tātene mātua tīpuna, um, a tikanga uh, protocol that our old people used to stick to. And unfortunately, we don't seem to stick to it these days. Is if you start a kaupapa, you must finish it. Um, even though the results may not be as good as you thought it might be, um, the purpose is that you must always finish what you've started. And, you know, unfortunately, these days people make excuses for not completing things. 
But us Māori and our ancestors, that was one big thing. So whether or not it was going out fishing, going healing, starting weaving, um, committing themselves to a certain kaupapa, they, they always strived to finish it. And like the Kohanga Reo movement, our Te Reo um, Māori movement from the 70s and 80s, while it's still going today, and that was laid down by our tipuna. So our line, our kiwaha whakatauia aki o te rewiki nei ko matariki te whetu hei arataki e ātutuki noa. May Matariki guide us to finish all that we have started in the last 12 months. And koira tāku e hikama, and pai te rongo atu i ākwe um, takuhoa, and nei ratimihi ake ki ākwe i runga i ngā tini āhuatanga o te wā, koe o no i runga i ngā āhuatanga o te wā o Matariki. Awesome to hear from you, my mate, and uh, I hope fully you had a wonderful Matariki and, and keep striving to do to complete everything in these next few days while Matsuzuki is upon us. Kia ora. Kia ora, my bro. Karepe McDonald from Culture Flow joining us each week for Kiwaha o Te Wiki. Very cool. Finish what you started off. I've actually got a big, massive sign in the um, in my office that says the exact thing. It says, finish what you started. As an entrepreneur, you try and create stuff, go stuff, and go, 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 go. And it gets very tough sometimes to focus in. It's something that I needed. I continually try to try and get better at when I want to do so much at the same time. And that's today's uh, time for this week. If you've got any feedback or suggestions, text me through on 3920. The time now is 12.39pm. Bet live on today FM. There you go, dream by scribe. It's time for my three cents. My three cents is about kind of most people have two cents about things. I've got three. This week I've got three, and it's around what's holding us back. I did a little video about it on social, but I wanted to re- regroup it here for a second. Uh, earlier this week, I was fortunate enough to have uh, lunch with a friend of mine who's the trade commissioner uh, here in San Francisco. We were out and about, and when you're sitting in the heart of on Market Street in San Francisco with a million people roots around, there's, you know, billion-dollar buildings and trillion-dollar tech companies, and, you know, it's, it's very big and large. And we were talking about one of the biggest challenges that we think is actually holding uh, people in New Zealand back. I am massively a huge fan of the fact of we are now in a world where we go straight local to global through the world of technology. I'm a massive fan of New Zealand businesses trying to strive to do greatness outside of just the small bubbles that they think. And in the world of technology, everything is huge. And the question that we were kind of discussing over lunch was, what is the biggest thing which is holding founders specifically, and people in these startup companies or these businesses that are growing from from getting even, even bigger and greater and, and really growing and putting things on the map. Now, most people within the startup ecosystem would say the answer is capital. They would say, we need money. If we get money, everything's all sweet. And her point, she sort of said, you know, whenever there's a, a great idea, we'll always find a great VC or VC of venture capital or like, you know, an investor. A great idea will always find a great investor. Um, but what she said is, you know, her job basically acts as the bridge between fast-growing New Zealand businesses that are trying to make it internationally, trying to go out to the world and, you know, do great, awesome things, hire more people, create great products and services to the marketplace. She said 70% of the people that she actually uh, works with it's not about their business. It's not about their growth. It's not about the size of it. It's not about the technology. It's not about the service. It's nothing. 
It's about the headspace of the entrepreneur. It is about the internal mindset that these founders have, that they're not thinking big enough, not thinking braver enough, and not um, being bold enough to take on the world when you go from, you know, a country of 5 million people to a, a, a global market of billions, right? And so I said, huh, so the founders think the issue is money, and the truth is, from those at the top, and obviously she would know, she's the flippin' trade commissioner for New Zealand, is she's saying it's the headspace. So I was thinking about, you know, how do you, um, how do we sort of attack that? How do we help more of these Kiwi companies sort of build it out and go bigger? And she was saying, any of the founders in the States that are going with these bigger investment companies, or bigger VCs, they call them more private equity or whatever it is, they do psychometric testing of the founders before they actually invest in them. They want to know what makes them tick, where their weak spots and blind spots, where their strengths are. And obviously you can do little, uh, you know, behavior psychometrics or whatever. But this was really interesting to see that the mindset of the founders is actually something that is now becoming directly correlated with the investment money, investment capital. So the question I guess I've got for you today would be, if you could make a ninja move in New Zealand, or a ninja move, you know, a kind of creative, strategic play that would help unlock the headspace of the majority of Kiwi founders or Kiwi business owners that are running their businesses, want to be bigger to do more, how would we attack that as a group? How do we make one plus one equals three, or one plus one equals four, or five, or six? How do we do that? I'm interested to know. I've got a couple of ideas. I think, you know, if you create safe environments, that that's big. But it was just a massive thing for me that thinking about this week of what is holding us back? And if it's our headspace, what do we specifically, what can we do in Aotearoa to make that better for founders or for, you know, these owners of these companies to try and do more? Because the greatness is there, but clearly in a weird world where you've only got a country of five million, the issue isn't actually money or people. It's actually the mindset of the founders. So there you go. Would love to hear feedback. If you've got, if you run a, a company or whatever, feel free to uh, text me through 3920. You can call it 0800 Today FM. Uh, after the break, it's Learn, Share, Repeat with Viv Conway, a weapon in the social game. And then uh, this is Rebecca live on Today FM. It's streaming live on Rover as well. The time now is 12.43 p.m. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. Welcome back to Rebet Live, episode 316 on Today FM. You can find more about us online at todayfm.co.nz. Follow us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even the TikToks. Search for Today FM New Zealand. And if you want to get in touch with me, any of the questions or suggestions, text me through on 3920. Now it's time for Learn, Share, Repeat. And this week we're chatting with Viv Conway uh, alongside Tasha Mays. They are the co-founders of Instagram specialist company, Ace the Gram. Kia ora, Viv. How are you? Kia ora, Rebet. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on. Let's go. I'm super stoked. Now you are a weapon in the social space and part of Learn, Share, Repeat is... It's this, it comes from this little, I, I wear a little wristband, you see, Viv, and on this little wristband it says learn, share, repeat on it, and that's the, kind of this little mantra thing where I, I'm always interested to talk to people who know a lot more about a lot of stuff than I do, and I think about what can I learn, how can I share it, and then keep that going to always stay stay curious. So um, we, we try to get into, you know, a whole bunch of stuff, but what I'm interested in, so we can start into it is uh, right now in the worlds of either podcasts or books or whatever, what are you learning the most right now and where are you learning it from? 
Oh, good question. I like to hear that you're on the TikToks. That that's epic. <laughs> I think um, TikTok's one of the, the emerging things um, that we're putting a lot of energy into at the moment. And look, like I'm trying more and more to consume the content because it's not something um, that I was, you know, was was naturally on. And actually, like myself, and I think a few others had the initial reaction of like, oh my god, another platform. Do I really have to do it? Surely my audience is on Instagram. Like, is it really that important? But um, yeah, I think that that is that is a space where actually by just consuming the content um, has been giving us lots of ideas and around our content and how we can do that, and also how mm. we can outsource that as well. Because I think you have to have some level of understanding um, to actually get someone onto that and make sure that they're doing a good job for you. I totally agree. Um, or maybe before we get to that, I, I, I'm keen to jump in there for a sec as well. As, as the platforms continually change, obviously you living and breathing in the so- social world, um, you're having to, I guess, stay on top of all of it. And I'm imagining you obviously have to be curious to each of these different platforms at the time as well to do some research and really get in there and see how it all, all works. What is your, I guess, sort of strategy of how you, like, what are you looking for when you go into all these things? Are you looking for kind of what's popping or trending or algorithmic things? Like, where are you finding the sweet spot with when you're learning through, you know, platforms and stuff as well? Yeah, good question. I think, like, in terms of the online uh, content, I'm always kind of looking at places like TechCrunch. But actually, because I'm now more in, like, that e-commerce space, myself with Girls Get Off, what we're doing is looking overseas to see what other e-com brands are kind of doing in the space. Because the best thing about social media advertising um, is that it's all kind of out there for people to see. Like you can actually see what other brands are doing and how they're doing it. So it's actually not that much of a secret if you do a bit of a deep dive. So for mm. us, that means, okay, what are people doing in Australia? What are they doing in the States? How can we replicate that? Or did that did that not go so well and why not? Um, so for us, it's actually about, you know, uh, I heard the term R&D or rip off and duplicate. And so that's often something <laughs> that we use um, to take... I mean research kind of like and development. Inspiration. <laughs> I like, oh no, the one, the classic one in creative world is I was inspired by this. I was inspired. It's like, you, you mean you, co- you copy pasted and then put your logo on top, but no, go on. <laughs> yeah. You know, but like if, you know, so there was a time when, you know, giveaways were really working. And if you see all these brands that they're doing, like there's probably something about it that's working, but if it stops working, then what does that look like as well? And how are you going to change it up? Because social media ultimately is actually really just about how you can get the most attention you know so you have to be thinking about yeah how can I provide value but actually how can I get you know when everyone's competing for the same sets of eyeballs how can I stand out the most you know and get people talking about what I'm up to there you go so right now in in your world what's the uh what are your top podcasts you listen to what books are you reading what are you consuming right now Love it. Potentially a little bit off topic, but um, I've really been liking The Diary of a CEO by Stephen Bartlett. I'm not sure if you've heard of that one. Um, I recently listened to an episode with the founder of Dermalogica. Loved that episode. I think that was great. And, you know, talking about how they started that business, and it must be like 40 years old till they actually um, sold that to Unilever. So I thought that was really cool. Um, Book-wise, you mentioned one plus one equals three just before the break. Big fan yes. of that book. Love that. I love the, the. I love that idea, and it's so true of like two people's experiences coming together to form a new idea. Because that book just puts it perfectly. Um, and another one of late that we've been using is actually the Scaling Up book by Vern Harnish, which is actually more of like a. It's almost more like a textbook, but it is so interesting. And for me, where I'm, I'm not very fluffy. I quite like to the point stuff. I found that like super applicable for any business, which has been awesome. 
So yeah, the Stephen, the diary of the CEO thing. He, uh, you know, his young buck that was on. I think he took his uh, agency public. He then was on Dragons Den, and with his the diary of the CEO one, he gets dece- deceptively deep, which is quite cool um, for for a young buck on it, which which I really enjoy. Um, and secondly, um, I actually didn't realize one plus one equals three is a book. So maybe I need to read that. I've, it's just something I always think in my head. I, that's how my math works. So now that I've actually learned something as well, that one plus one equals three, which I usually say, is actually a book. So now it feels like I've got more more homework or R&D to be able to go and do as well. <laughs> yeah, no, that one plus one equals three book is like a series of like short stories and just like anecdotes about how, um, yeah, how in history one plus one has equaled three. Um, and it's fascinating and such an easy read. I'd highly recommend I'm into it. And before you go, I actually want to jump into this well. As part of the intro, because I was just excited to talk about social and tech stuff, you also co-founded, and you've mentioned it quickly, briefly, the women's sex toy business called Girls Get Off, or GGO, which is nice branding and stuff on on your LinkedIn. Now, um, maybe I want to jump in here for a second. Why? Well, I think it's pretty... Uh, I mean, no, no, why? It's because actually a mutual friend of mine is looking to create <laughs> their actual own uh, uh, sex toy thing. And I was just having a little business conversation. I saw it pop up and I was like, that's interesting. So let's talk about that for a second. In terms of what the biggest learnings you've taken from all your skill sets within social, how are you strategically thinking about advertising in the e-commerce space now that you also not only are helping these brands, but then have your own sort of company yourself that's that's going directly online and stuff like this too. What have what have you learned the most and how is it how is it working? Well interestingly one of the biggest challenges with Girls Get Off is that we can't use any paid advertising. Like there's some loopholes we've been kind of testing, but ultimately it's all really come down to A like sharing or you know piggybacking off other people's audiences or be our own organic content so we've had to be like very creative about we've about how we've sort of gathered that attention from people so for us that sort of looked like oh we've got costumes the other day we did like a little quick promo for out hitting 69k followers and went out and bought like 69 cheeseburgers and 69 pals and had a picnic and got people to come down and like get some so it's all about like just for us as well, the brand is also about this community. So we're always figuring out ways that we can actually interact with our followers. Like we had a live event on Wednesday. Um, yeah, so it's been it's been it's actually forced us to be even more creative. Um, where otherwise you might have been able to, um, you know, outspend different people or do your ads a little bit smarter. This has actually been more about around the content. It's something that we're like hugely invested in. So a little bit different, but something that is actually applicable across any industry, I think. Um, yeah, coming back to how, how am I going to get the most eyeballs on my content? What am I going to do for attention? Mm. The uh, the creative challenges, which with when commercial regulation comes or there's different laws and bits and pieces that you need to try and navigate around, I always like the fact when you have a creative challenge for something like that and clearly you're, you're doing that well. In terms of the, 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 the online space right now, for those that are you know either looking to get it, into it or take their companies or communities online, you've been able to build um, you know pretty, pretty big Facebook group, you know Instagram growth and engagement and all of that. Um, what advice would you give for a brand or a business in Aotearoa that's looking to, that's maybe scared of and doesn't understand the digital marketing world or the online sort of space that wants to really wants to get into it and, and do stuff like what advice would you give them getting into the world of, I guess, digital and, and online business? 
Yeah, I guess ultimately, like, there's no difference between what we do with Instagram. You know, we built this Facebook group giving value, giving, like, tips around how people can grow their audiences. And then, you know, with Girls Get Off, the, like, kind of quirky, tongue-in-cheek content that we do, again, to get attention. Um, and I suppose it comes back to what value can that brand provide? Because I guarantee that there'll be something um, that they can do to, again, you know, get attention. That's not just, like, uh, you know, dry posting about, like, I don't know who's in the office or what they've been up to or these random, you know, like, or like selling, selling, selling and lots of products. Like there'll be something um, where you can capitalize on to actually make people invest it. I think, you know, there's a good example, a local one here in Mount Monganui of like, oh God, I've forgotten their name, a plumbing company who's really good at getting involved in the community. They've got all their um, tradies out taking content for them and they really like, they're really grammable, I guess, and that works really well for them. Whether it's, um, you know, another guy recently, I saw him doing like surfing tips and his following has just grown to like just over 15K in like a couple of months and it's because no one else is putting that content out there. So it ultimately comes back to the value and there'll be something um, that is relevant to your business that you'll be able to kind of put out there to the world and people will be interested in. There you go. Hey, really appreciate you joining us on the show today, Viv. Uh, best of luck with everything rolling and um, hope it all goes great for the rest of the weekend. Enjoy it and thanks for jo- joining the show. Cheers, Rebecca. Rolling. There you go. All right, coming after the, after the break, it's Ask Rebecca. Got a question? Text me through on 3920. It is 12.55pm. Let's go to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebecca Live. Call 0800 Today FM. It is hour number two, episode 316 for a bit live on Today FM. This hour, oh mate, we're into hour number two. It's going to be glorious. Let's get hyped up. Um, Hope the first hour as well. Now we roll into the second. My next guest is Clinton Farley. He's the general manager of the Hotel Britomart in Auckland, New Zealand's only five green star hotel giddy up we'll talk about what that even means in a second satisfied for its design and build uh, after two decades in hotels across new zealand and australia clint has decided to return home to auckland to open the hotel britomart uh, obviously tourism and hospitality has been through a whole bunch so what better person to be able to get on and talk to clinton kia ora bro how are you Bad, great to be on the show today and happy martyrity as well you too, my friend. Now, I, I think last week we were in the tourism hospitality game. We both were in Fiji. How was you were in holidays on holidays, mate? I like it. How, how was the little trip to Fiji? Yeah, that's right. I just um, booked a five-day package over there. It was great to get the get the um, get up in the air again and fly internationally. And um, yeah, to see what see how Fiji's going after obviously the last couple of years. It was um, really great to see such. Big smiles on the Fiji and people's faces to, to be welcoming tourism back to, to Fiji. Now we had a had Tim Elp on the show. I think it was last last week or the week before. Just kind of talking about you know you have a nine figure business that goes to zero overnight and and the challenges of sort of building it back. You've obviously been in the game now for two decades in terms of the t- just tourism and hospitality space. How would you let's start with this? How would you in a tweet or nutshell recap? what has actually happened to tourism in New Zealand and the headspace of tourism owners and operators in the last two years? Oh, a tweet. That would have to be pretty short, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> I guess it was a bit of a cyclone that came through. We, um, we all, all felt that pinch really big. Um, as we all know, New Zealand, uh, tourism to New Zealand was our biggest export earner. And just having that shot up, shot up with the same, that was... Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a big shock to 
our economy. Um, but I think the tourism industry has done very well to, to battle through. We've all pulled together and um, it's just exciting to see now that we've got out the other side that the, the borders uh, are reopening and we're going to have those further easements on the 31st of July. And I think just positively thinking, looking ahead and um, really can't wait to, to see, uh, to welcome people back to New Zealand, really. Totally. And obviously things are ramping up quite quickly. You know, Queenstown's starting to go off again. The businesses are sort of reopening back up. Everyone's trying to get more stuff. It's a bit of a scramble into it. So let's talk about um, Hotel Bridemont. I was fortunate enough. I went down there, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Great spot right right in the middle. Amazing old fashions there as well. But FYI, if you haven't checked it out. Um, so let's talk about what does this, you're New Zealand's only five green star hotel the world of sustainability and stuff's going more. What does that mean? Yeah, well, in New Zealand's first and only five Green Star Hotel, like you say, um, it means that we've been uh, certified by the New Zealand Green Building Council for the design, the construction, the build, and now that we're operational for the last couple of years, the, the operational practices that we have uh, running through the hotel. Uh, so, I mean, the, the, the building, um, very, um, very focused on sustainability. The bricks on the outside of the building, 80% recycled crushed concrete using 80% recycled uh, rain court roof. Uh, right through to the plant and the equipment, the machinery, obviously the double glazed windows. Uh, and then operationally at the hotel, uh, from a guest perspective, all our amenities sourced locally. The sheets that we have in our beds, um, 100% organic cotton, uh, and and then right through to Kingia a restaurant, which I think, Robert, that's where you um, you might have had a drink a couple of weeks ago. And Kingia is very well known as um, being very focused on sustainable fisheries. So um, we know every boat, we know every fisherman, fisherwoman that caught our fish, and um, yeah, we we have that focus because we want to preserve the fisheries for many generations to come. So. Well, for starters, mate, I had more, a bit more than one drink there at Kingy, but no, it's, we, won't, we won't jump into that. But I, I will, I, I want to go into this bit, right? Usually, you know, you run a big corporation, you want to try and get dollars back to the shareholders, and you're like, stuff it. Who cares about paper straws? Let's just go plastic because we want to make some more money. But this big, there seems to be a massive shift happening more and more towards the sustainability and environmental impact. Actually, thinking and being thoughtful about every single product and touch point that exists in the in, in, in this part of the business. So by having, I guess, first-hand experience watching Hotel Britomart now becoming Aotearoa's, you know, only five Green Star Hotel, do you think this is the actual kind of future of more of the design and sustainability when it comes to, you know, buildings and tourism and the way business is done? Like, do you have a macro outlook view on how you think commerce will change being a bit more thoughtful for the planet? Oh, I definitely think it's a direction um, we're all heading in. Obviously, globally, um, governments have set huge big targets to um, get get their individual countries um, on a more sustainable uh, focus, as well as obviously reducing carbon emissions. Um, I think from a, a hotel Budimart perspective, we are very um, very proud to be Kiwi owned and operated. We're a 104 room hotel, and I guess from a sustainability point of view, we've, we've taken the challenge to be industry shakers and industry changers. So um, we, we look at everything that we do at the hotel on a day-to-day basis and, and kind of and, and really question, um, does it have to be done that way? One specific example at the Hotel Britomart last year was that we decided we didn't want any deliveries uh, or anything from our suppliers coming in plastic. So we, mm. we reached out to all our suppliers, which we have over 100, 
and we said from six months time we don't want anything arriving at the hotel in plastic obviously a few of them came back and said oh my gosh what are we going to do about this um we went back to them and said it's not really our problem we want you to do what we need <laughs> and um and we got through that little patch we challenged the suppliers and we said status quo is not good enough we want to see some change in the space and sustainability but back to your question um i, I guess from a hotel perspective um industry in new zealand and tourism i think um there was some commentary as COVID hit that potentially New Zealand was, had a bit too much tourism and maybe we weren't doing the best uh, in regards to sustainability. So I think over the last couple of years, this has allowed every tourism business, hotel to really look at what they're doing on a day-to-day basis and is status quo good enough or can we make tweaks to our operations um, from a hotel Brimart perspective as well? Um, Obviously, people love the fact that we're very focused on sustainability, and uh, if that aligns well with well with their mindset, then obviously they may choose us over other hotels that may not be as sustainable. So, you know, you, you talked about before changing with no plastics to be able to come in. Clearly, within the organisation, you're curious around what you can keep doing to keep asking the question of how it can be better, how it can be better to sort of level up. Now, with this journey of of um, I guess trying to change how this this business operates do you have a lot of others in the ecosystem that are either running hotels or different businesses reaching out and kind of saying hey like what's your blueprint what are you doing here like within the ecosystem how much sort of talkability is coming back and forth around what you're doing and how you're doing it to try and help others or to help them get educated yeah interesting question actually when we did go out to those suppliers and um tell them of our plans for the future to really drive our operational sustainability more. A number of them did ask us for our, uh, what for an example of, of what our plan looks like so that they could also embed into their businesses. So um, I think there's, there's definitely opportunity to, to um, obviously um, work with other businesses in New Zealand, particularly through the hospitality operators to, um, yeah, to brainstorm and, and, and implement new ideas that um, better um, protect the environment as well as our communities. Um, there's a number of, obviously, programs that's within the industry. Um, for example, tourism industry, Aotearoa, they have a um, sustainability commitment that a number of hotels uh, and tourism operators uh, uh, conduct an annual pledge on and then you uh, complete an annual audit on yourselves as well. So uh, I guess the industry overall is taking a greater approach. Obviously, we have Hallmark in New Zealand as well, which is the, the hotel ratings. Well, not just hotels, the tourism and hotels rating body. And they also have a, a big focus on sustainability these days as well. So there are a lot of tools to support the industry. Um, but we, we at the Hotel Bridemark, obviously try and go above and beyond what uh, the industry is getting because we, I mean, it's just fun being, a bit, bit of a change maker and a bit of a leader as well. Well, you, sh- you shake the tree, man. I'm always a big fan of doing that, however possible. So, um, but you know, to that point though, I would see it within a lot of time in, in local markets. People look at the neighbour as the competition, not realising it's co-opetition because you can be working together to make it all, you know, the one plus one equals sort of three thing. So, I'd be more than hoping that a lot of the insights and the documentation of what you've been going through achieve these different touch points, other people are really wanting to get into it as well. So which kind of leads me to the next bit I was going to jump into, uh, Clinton, was, you know, you've been in the game for a minute, but you've decided to take on this role by coming, um, you know, essentially running this thing. What drove you specifically to take on 
this role? Is it like what was the biggest challenge that you kind of said personally? Like this is I'm going to give this a nudge. This is how I'm going to do it. Did you have you know things that were bubbling away? Or what was in your headspace when you decided to pull the trigger to to take on the role? Yeah, well, that's a good question, Robert. Um, I've, um, I've worked across India and Australia, and I've worked in much larger hotels as well. So coming to the Hotel Britomart was a, a, a little bit of a, a downsize for me. But um, at the end of the day, I um, I watched Britomart as a precinct. Uh, obviously, it's a nine-block downtown city location in Auckland. I'd watched that over the last 18, 19 years be redeveloped from what was an old run-down bus station um, and uh, in some areas of downtown Auckland just to be the red light district and over the last 19 or so years it's, it's been transformed into the beautiful downtown location it is it is today and um, in, in the Britomart precinct we have 67 retailers, shops, boutiques, uh, really great fashion houses, New Zealand fashion designers and, and I guess the, um, the, the focus of Britomart is to really showcase the best of New Zealand and that's why we have such a um, a, a, a um, focus on those New Zealand designers and shops, etc. So the, the Hotel Budamart was really one of the finishing touches on a 19-year project. It was a it was a hotel that was built in the in the heart of Budamart to uh, allow people to come and experience everything Budamart, whether that be the restaurants, the bars, the nightlife, the, the retailers, but then enjoy a night at the Hotel Budamart as well. Is that you playing music, mate? <laughs> no, that's not me. <laughs> we got random D- D- DJ Jeff. It's probably. I can see through this and see what's behind. Got no way to prove it, so maybe I'm not. Well, if you, if you tune in. There you go. Oh, DJ, DJ Jeff, did you cut off the music? What's happened? I'm only human after all. Don't put your baby on me. Don't put your blame on me. Yeah, Robert. Yeah, gotcha. Oh, the DJ came back. <laughs> I don't know what happened. We, we like went to. I was expecting some karaoke from you, Clinton, to come through to fi- finish off with <laughs> some alloy <laughs> black. Um, uh, no, it's all good, man. Hey, so you're getting excited for this? Wanted before you go, I actually wanted to jump in back to this. You're talking about, say, with you know, Kingy. You're talking about, you know, you you're wanting to know that the fishermen and whatever. One of the things I've been looking at a little bit is the future of blockchain technology when it comes to business tracking of products from, say, from farm to plate or whatever it is. Have you started digging into at all any of the world of traceability around products and stuff using blockchain technology when it comes to the future of of business with hospitality? Is this something that you've started to dabble or have heard about a little bit or started to look into a bit? Yeah, I've definitely heard about it, but um, actually that's probably one thing I'll put on my sustainability list for um, it's looking into this year. It's, um, obviously, we work very closely with, um, one of the focuses that is at King and, and the hotel actually, is that we work really closely with um, actual suppliers. So we try not to work with too many uh, actual big, large wholesalers because we like to know the people that we're buying from and we know, obviously knowing that, we know who caught it, and et cetera. So um, we, from a traceability point of view, we, we do know that fairly well at the moment, but obviously with blockchain and other such um, systems, we'll, we'll, 
that will obviously help us to uh, help us to track that probably a little bit more effectively and, and allow our clients to also maybe scan something and trust that as well. So um, at this stage we haven't, but um, definitely something we'd, we could look into in the, in the near future. Well, it's always that thing when you when you go first, you sort of break the way, and then usually what happens when a bunch of others that are you know I guess maybe not so moral ethical they can start claiming the same thing, but it actually doesn't become as transparent or authentic as as possible. And so yeah, what the, it's something I've actually been uh. digging into around different products. I mean, they're using a little bit in uh, merchandising with with garments and stuff to be able to tr- trace it back the the cotton from where it came and the whole thing. So I'm sure that no doubt they'll be sort of cranking away. But hey, I really appreciate you um, joining the show again. Well done for what you've done. That's a great amazing set up and no this isn't a sponsored ad by anyone to go and have it hold their fashions down at kingy what i'm saying is it's actually a r- amazing well laid out spot and it's super cool that you've you, you've been really i guess brave and proactive in the world for sustainability too man so that must feel super awesome dude it does yeah and, and fantastic and i really appreciate you having a chat today Love it, and um, yeah, what a pity we missed that cocktail by the pool in CG, but look, um, yeah, look forward to welcoming you back to the hotel or can you sometime soon. Game on, man. Appreciate it, India. Here you go. Uh, thanks for joining us, mate. Awesome. There was the bro, Clinton Farley, the general manager of Hotel Britomart, Aotearoa's only five-star, uh, five-green-star hotel. Super, super cool. Uh, coming up after the break, it won't be Alloy Black. It will be Matt Don, CEO of snacking company Tom and Luke on the Tall Poppy profile. And uh, there we go. Time now, 1.18pm in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and 6.18pm here in San Francisco. Mentor. Sherpa. Counselor. Nah, just a clever guy doing cool shit. It's Rebecca Live. On Today FM. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Everybody's hands go up and they stay there because it's time for Tall Poppy Profile. I like it when New Zealand wins. I like it when New Zealanders win. And what better way than to highlight some Kiwis doing great stuff here on uh, Rebet Live for the Tall Poppy Profile. This is Rebet Live, episode 316 on Today FM. You can find us online at todayfm.co.nz or you can follow us on our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And you heard the young bucks talk about the TikToks. On the Tiki Tokies, you can find us there too. Search for Today FM New Zealand. And if you want to get a touch or we've got a question, because upcoming in a little bit, we're going to have Ask Rebecca. You can text through a question to 3920. So today for Tall Poppy Profile, we are joined by Matt Don. He's the CEO of Tom and Luke, the leading snack ball brand in Australasia, which is super cool. All of their products are proudly made in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and exported to multiple countries all around the world. Their world-famous snack balls are for, made from Carefully chosen ingredients, delivering nutritionally healthy, great tasting snacks in a format that's built for convenience. I love it. Welcome to the show, Matt. Kia ora, bro. Hey, hey, Robert. How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. So, where? How's this Saturday going? Where are you? What's bubbling? Uh, I've just come off the football field, being a ref. We've got um, my kids are playing a lot of football this weekend, so between about five different games over Saturday and Sunday. Oh, you you got heaps on, mate. Hey, so let's ask the main question. So, because if you got your kids on one of the things, do you, like, just proactively, just like NBA refs, just blow the whistle a few more times for the opposition to give your kid a better, better shot at life? <laughs> nah, <laughs> or do you actually play nah, it down the, the kid, line? The, the feedback from the kids today was I was probably refing more towards the other team. So uh, I don't oh, want yeah. any controversy. So I've got to try and be careful here. Yeah. You can't win, mate. You can't win. I get it. So exactly. let's talk about um, let's talk about Tom and Luke. Where did this idea come from? Yeah, so uh, the name suggests a lot, right? There's two founders. There's Tom and Luke. Uh, we started about eight years ago. So Tom was a personal trainer and Luke was a chef. 
uh, and they met around a, a kind of shared need or affinity around food. So Tom was looking for better options for his uh, clients, and Luke was looking for better options actually for his son Barnaby, who's got some food allergies. Uh, and they, so they started making an early stage protein bar uh, back in the day and selling it at farmers markets. And eventually, uh, they actually uh, started making what we call snackables. You described it really well in the beginning, uh, and the business kind of took off from there. So uh, yeah, so we'll, 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 we've been trying to take it to the world stage since then. So let's talk about that for a second. Trying to go local to global. When you first started trying to kick into it, what are, what has been the biggest learning that you've found for for the business trying to you know export to multiple countries all around the world? Yeah, I think uh, like lots of learnings. I think the biggest thing for us right now is I believe we're, we're, we're really, really good and, you know, a humble Kiwi brag here, but really, really good at what we do. Uh, brilliant branding, brilliant product, uh, but we, we can only be prepared so much. We need a bit of opportunity as well. So trying to mm. talk to some of the biggest retailers in the world you know, we need a category manager or a buyer to be open, to be reviewing that set right now, to be proactive. Uh, so it's kind of preparation meets opportunity, right? That's the biggest challenge for us in kind of taking the world, taking the product global. So where do you uh, currently export to? Obviously made in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and it's going to what countries right now? Yeah, so uh, proudly Wainui Amata in Wellington, uh, Wellington or Wainui to the world, and we export Australia's big market for us. Uh, we dotted a bit around Asia with Japan being the biggest uh, probably market in, in Asia for us and we've oscillated between uh, some ridiculous amount of uh, numbers of 7-11s over in Japan. I think we got into 10,000 at one stage. Uh, and now we're uh, trying, try, yeah, it's hard to get your head around. And we're really trying to now grow into the US. Uh, and that's been really challenging with the pandemic, but now we've had the opportunity to start travelling there. So we're really, really mm. focused on trying to grow over there. I was actually going to ask that, Matt, how tricky has it been trying to go through global procurement through Zoom calls when the world's been on lockdown? Like, talk me through some of the logistical gong shows that, that's kind of been challenges over this last couple of years. Yeah, it's been really fascinating. So in, in some ways, we haven't struggled to have access to people because in some ways where everybody got normalized around the world right we you didn't have to be in america but everybody's working from home so you could get access to people but i think when you're not in the country they don't know you very well that creates a barrier so uh we've only i, I was i was in the u.s and since march um or in march and my sales manager's there right now and i think we're getting just because we can meet face to face and be there that builds a lot more trust than just operating over zoom god yeah hey i, I was gonna ask also when you're currently selling um you know online are you going direct to, any direct to consumer stuff or is it all through like wholesale partners or what's the kind of split between d2c and b2b or you know like how are you sort of splitting out how you sell and who you sell to yeah so traditionally our business is mostly um like convenience or bricks and so all bricks and mortar retail but you're kind of convenience stores stores or uh, supermarket chains yeah. for a for a snacking product in uh, America though you know there's great options like Amazon and a bunch of different other online platforms that we uh, look to use I think it's I think you know we're, we're such an impulsive item that it's really hard for that to translate online but in a mm. big market like the US there is that opportunity because there's so many people on Amazon there's you know there's a big marketplace there yeah, yeah, got you. And pr price-wise, how does this sort of stack up? Obviously, the new, everything's obviously made here. How have you dealt with, I guess, you know, pricing and products and, and all that as you've expanded out to these global markets? 
Yeah, that, it's a remarkable challenge right now, even just getting stock around the yeah. world. Uh, like, like I said, we, we pride ourselves on being excellent at what we do, so we've got a very good manufacturing capability. We increase our efficiency every year. You know, we try and take costs out where we can uh, to stay competitive on, on the global stage. But uh, just as an example, I think freight from New Zealand to Australia has gone up about 70% in the last yep. year. Easy. Uh, so yeah, you can yeah. only do yeah, yeah. So you can only do so much to offset that, right? And yeah. uh, we want to stay relevant for consumers. We don't want to price ourselves out of the market. So there's a lot of things to consider on all of that. But uh, at the heart of it, it's yeah, hire really good people and let them do really excellent stuff. So if you were starting back at, at ground zero again, if or if you're listening to us, looking to if you've got a New Zealand company, you're looking to try and go global. What would the first thing you'd say? they should 150% definitely do? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, you, you just got to make decisions, right? And you got to keep going. Um, I, I'd love to say there's a master plan to all of this. Uh, every week, my sales manager and I get back together and we look at what we're doing and how we can do it better. And, you know, it's just constant pivoting, adjusting. I don't, I don't like the word pivoting, but it is just constantly adjusting and trying to find new ways. So uh, yeah. probably the biggest piece of advice I'd say is get good people and get really good advisors. We're really lucky to have a really good board of directors, uh, really good investors, and that helps because some people have done this journey before, not yeah. the exact journey, but they can really, really help prompt you and guide you uh, when you're trying to solve those problems fast and get going. So that's what you should do. So I, I, I agree, get good people, get a bunch of weapons mm. around you for the advisory and stuff. What's the 150% mm. thing you definitely should not do if you're trying to go from <laughs> local, to, local to global? Uh, gosh, overcomplicate it. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, I think you, know, you can try and do too much and get nowhere. Uh, mm. and, and, and a product business like us, we're all about creating new products all the time. It's just the game we're in. Uh, and with that, you can try and do 100 products and get nowhere, where you could try and do two or three or five really, really well and, mm. and really do you know do good business off the back of that. So what? how many products do you currently have right now? And obviously, you're probably, your point is, Matt, probably on width, not uh, depth, not width, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's a, that's a challenge because we believe we're going to win in the market through uh, what we'd call optionality and creating options for the customer. Like we're in, we're in healthy snacking and everybody's got their own view of what health is, so we need to try and play to that. Uh, so <laughs> it's a balance. We, we launch some and some work, some don't, and we delete them and we go again. Uh, and so we've just got to be really careful. We've got about probably 30 SKUs right now, uh, but we, we continually go and look at what we call our tail and FMTG and and cut those products. Some people still love them. Sorry, guys, but we have to get rid of them. Uh, and then bring in new products, right, and, and actually try and grow and, and find relevant audiences. The, the weak links must go. Hey, uh, uh, before you go, yeah. I'm wanting to ask as well, what's the, been the biggest uh, interesting ch uh, taste or flavour which has popped in a market which you potentially didn't work in one? Like, is there something that's massive in Japan compared to Australia or New Zealand versus Australia? Or is there something that's kind of a little red herring in terms of taste that you've noticed culturally as you've exported around the world? Yeah, so there's lots of little, amazingly, a lot of idiosyncrasies. Like, I thought Australia would be very, very similar to New Zealand, but it's just not. Uh, and we, we had one recently, we've got a, a product called a beetroot raspberry brownie that we sell in Australasia. And, you know, that, that kind of um, 
product, a beet, an actual beetroot raspberry brownie, is is well known in the cafe scene. Like people understand it. We put that in front of some US consumers, and they're like, "What's beetroot? We've never heard of a beetroot. Uh, they call it beets, and they've definitely never heard of a beetroot brownie." So uh, we we quickly didn't launch that product because that wouldn't have fired. Well, if you're in uh, if you're in California, they probably don't want the beetroot is, but they definitely know what the brownie is. <laughs> so maybe they thought it was something yeah. which <laughs> potent, potentially uh, potentially different. That's 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 quite interesting. Different pathway. Yeah, definitely different different pathway. Um, so if people yeah. want to check out, uh, you know, Tom and Luke, where can they go to? What can they do? It obviously, it sounds like it's it's cranking and doing good stuff. And especially, I always get stoked seeing local companies go global. Uh, where, where can they go support your stuff and maybe get some of these things? Yeah, so, uh, you know, major retailers, if, if you're uh, in the US or Japan, major retailers or, um, or we're trying to get into major retailers or online, uh, go through our social pages. We're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn as well. Uh, any customers who, who want to transform their snacking uh, set right now, give us a ring, you know, give us an email, drop us a line through any of those channels and we'd love to talk. Well, I'd also have one little um, request. Instead of beetroot, raspberry, brownie in California, but maybe if you did one like, whiskey and eggs benedict or something like just 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 an idea just throw it out there just like a sing, single mode in eggs benny <laughs> be great. Hey, we'll give it a go hey, there you go hey appreciate appreciate your time have an awesome weekend thanks for joining us matt legend thanks robert thanks champ all right that's matt don ceo of tom and luke the leading snackball brand in australasia very cool uh, you know talking to kiwi companies that are going uh going global thinking bigger i like the idea of you know number one get good people around you no-brainer. Number two, also with the advisors. Make sure you've got um, whippers in the field. And one of the other things I will just quickly jump onto that is so many times with advisory panels and boards and stuff is people will get, they'll dismiss someone's experience just because, oh, oh they, this is a new world, blah, blah, blah. There's still so much to be learned from older people who have got a blueprint of doing things a certain way that yes they need to pivot and adapt to the time, the modern times but there is so much gold just by flipping shutting your face and listening to older people who have been in this game for longer than you yes it needs to get adapted yes it needs to get you know revolutionized or upgraded and polished to this new modern world of e-commerce and all the rest of it but still the fundamentals still same you make stuff you sell stuff and there's always people who have been there before who can do it um, who've been there and that you can listen to and it's something that I've learned myself many times. It's just sometimes just shut up and listen because these old people actually know what's up. And so it's great. Uh, any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Text me through on 3920. And uh, coming up after the break, it's Ask Rebecca, which means you can ring through or text through 3920 and ask me anything. I can't guarantee it'll be right, but I'll definitely answer it back for you. Uh, the time now is 1.33 p.m. Or in San Francisco is 6.33. See you in a sec, team. Rebet Live. Live from Silicon Valley. The hub of the tech universe. With tips on unleashing your entrepreneurial potential. On Today FM. Let's go, let's go. Coming up almost to the end of hour number two on Rebet Live, episode 316 on Today FM. You can find your local frequency, todayfm.co.nz, or when you get your cell phones, it's in your pocket. Download the free Rover app and go from there. Uh, it's time for Ask Rebet. So basically, you text through with different questions, and I can answer them. Uh, question for today. Here we go. If you've got any questions, uh, text away, 3920. First question. Kia ora ehoa. I love all the mahi you do. It's always inspirational to hear someone from Aotearoa making waves in other countries. Oh, thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Uh, I just wanted to ask, how do you keep chasing a dream when no one else believes in it? Oh, Okay, we're going a bit deep. How do you keep chasing a dream when no one believes in it? So, 
the way I would think about it is look at the circle around you and uh, ask yourself a simple question. Are those that you're talking with, hanging with, working with, chilling with, doing whatever with, are they putting water or gasoline on your fire? You're a little fireball trying to grow and do great stuff. Um, and you need to ask yourself this question because it gives you a little bit of self awareness to realize, are those around you helping you or are they hurting you? Are they saying, yeah, bro, you can do it, go up and go for it, or no, stuff that you don't have, don't have a shot? Because if you are in a scenario, and this is a, it's, this is a mathematical thing which I've created, and I don't know if it's crazy or not, but this is what I... I've done is go on a spreadsheet or in a piece of paper and write down the top 20 people who are in your life who you talk with hang with and put a plus one or a minus one against every single person's name if they're putting water on your fire to try and kill your dreams or if they're putting gasoline on your fire to try and promote you to do better stuff with your life you're going to have a score you're going to have a number at the at the end of those 20 people and it's going to be pretty ruthless to see what that is so it sucks if you're in a, a spot when obviously if you're asking the question, how do you keep chasing a dream when no one else believes in it? The question I would be asking myself is, are you willing to commit to your own future even though no one else does? Are you willing to commit to go after your own dream even though no one else does? What I did for me, I didn't feel like a lot of people really had my back, is I used it as a fuel to my own fire. I, I was like, cool, you don't think I can do it? All right, cool, stuff you, watch me. Ah, right, you don't think I'm, you know, sweet? All right, cool, watch me. So in my head, my headspace was use their, um, their non-belief in me as belief in my own fire to go and do it. Then, obviously, so after you navigate your own, I guess, internal bravery, then you got to think about the commercial common sense for it, you know, and just make sure that you don't confuse like focus and drive with stubbornness or arrogance to dismissing the market. So make sure, you know, you could be totally focused and everyone says, if no one else believes in it, maybe the idea does suck, <laughs> right? But you're not going to know that unless you put it out into the market. So when you do, and if the market says it's shitty and no one likes it, maybe it's shitty and no one no one likes it. But you just need to navigate the self-awareness of realizing, are you being focused for something that you truly believe in? Or are you actually now being stubborn to dismiss off the rest of the uh, the marketplace. So that is what I would do. Number one, it was I'd write down top 20 people, put a plus one or minus one next to them. I know it's savage. The answer for that is if it's a lot more negative than positive, I think you know what you got to do. You got to, you know, gas the weak links, cut them out. Next. Um, next one here uh, from Abe and AK. Uh, where is the best place to get your three pieces of magic? Okay, three, three pieces of magic. So... There was an article that was written in Forbes and it interviewed 20 billionaires and they asked them a question of where's the best place to do business or to get stuff done. Not a single person said the boardroom or the office. So where you think about three places of magic for me, so one would be um, golfing, if I'm out golfing and out of the office, or golfing or snowboarding if I'm out just experiencing stuff. Two, if I'm with good people that I genuinely care about that that with that I choose to be with. So sometimes, you know, you're at a dinner or something, you kinda you feel like you're stuck there and you don't have a choice. I love choosing to be in a space with people I really care about. And then three, uh magic, hang with the whanau, doing cool stuff. Having my three or four year old just try to beat me up or whatever it is and and, and spending quality time with the whanau. That is always good too. Or actually, place of magic I will say, I've snowboarded uh I used to snowboard professionally. I've snowboarded for years. And then when I took my four-year-old daughter up uh, snowboarding this year, watching her snowboard for 20 seconds 
was more cooler than anything I'd done personally in the last 20 years. So magic would be perspective of, of realising the whānau time. All right, uh, any feedback, love to hear from your thoughts. You can text me through on 3920. Almost coming to the end of the hour, but coming up uh, after this, we're going to be having banter with Bruce. Good old Uncle, Uncle Bruce joining us for a good little chat through some nuggets of wisdom. He's the CEO of Spirit of Adventure. He's a good man and a good friend as well. And this uh, all coming up, we've got you know latest news, sport on the hour as well. So the time now is 1.42pm. On today, Fem. Dentor. Sherpa. Counselor. Nah, just a clever guy doing cool shit. It's Rebet Live. On today, Fem. It's 1.43 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. 6.43 here in San Francisco. It was quite weird when I come out of the ad break and I hear them saying, just a clever guy doing cool shit. It's like, man, they, they can swear on this thing. This place is awesome. Well, Usually I'm an HR nightmare, so I, I appreciate the fact that you know they're backing me just to roll the way I roll. Uh, Rebet Live episode 316. Now it's time we catch up with Mr. Bruce Pilbara. He is the CEO of Spirit of Adventure, and each week he joins me to have a little corridor and a, sharing a little nugget of wisdom, uh, or sometimes just to have a vent about either you know doing home chores that he doesn't want to do, whatever it is. Welcome to the show, Bruce. Kia ora, my friend. Kia ora, bro. How are you doing? Good. Are you got? I'm doing good, mate. Are you here to uh, share some wisdom, or are you going to vent? Like, which way are we heading today? <laughs> oh, I don't know. There's so much to vent on at the moment. <laughs> oh, I'll go where you want me America. to, mate. No, I'm not going. I'm not going to go down that path of you know to the changes in America. Though, I think I'll just get too upset. Um, but I, I, I was actually uh, I watched a bit of a, a post that you put up, I think, the other day, uh, where you've been chatting to someone in San Francisco. I think she might have been the New Zealand. Uh, consulate, yep. And you sort of you sort of talked about um, what's the biggest thing holding back startups, and the assumption is usually capital. Um, but you challenged that and said actually it's kind of what's going on in our heads, or or the narratives that we that we've got going on in our heads that often hold great people back. Um, mm. But I'd probably add one more one more thing to that, and that's something we see a lot in New Zealand is that sort of tall poppy or highly opinionated people who. Um, feel they have the rights or the need to say something and, and, and I guess uh, put, put water on great ideas or great sparks of ideas. So, yeah, I thought we should just chat about that today. What do you think, mate? Sound good? I'm into it, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, Ruth McLeod, the, the trade commissioner for That's NCT it. for um, States. And what was interesting about that chat is from a founder's perspective, the excuse is money. From those yes. with money's perspective, the truth is mindset. So there's clearly a gap between, you know, someone bitching about mindset, someone uh, bitching bitching to money, but also it's that thing of, you know, well, what narratives do we, do we tell ourselves that hold us back or what are these mental handbrakes we go through? So no, I'm totally with you, man. Where do you want to hit it? I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's something we come across a lot, right? So when we, uh, with the the spirit of adventure, uh, spirit of New Zealand, when we take young people out, um, often the biggest thing, that gets in the way of them, you know, discovering their true greatness or their true selves, uh, is is a narrative or a concept or a thought or a, a put down that's been put in put in their put in their way and um, told they've been useless or like they won't amount to much or, you know, um, they're not smart enough, not bright enough. I mean, some of our school systems just keep report repeating that. You know, if you if you don't not good at maths, you're not good at life type of thing. And it, it kind of saddens me because sometimes you see the most creative and beautiful people. Um, if you just give them the space to sort of flower and grow um, without sort of putting my pre-supposed ideas on them, you know? 
Um, mm. I'm a big I'm a big Brené Brown fan, as you as you know. And one of the things, one of the comics, uh, quotes she says is that um, there's a lot of cheap seats in the arena that are filled with people who never venture into the floor. That is her oh. mean spirited criticisms and put downs from a safe distance. And um, and she goes further on to say, if you haven't been in the arena, then you actually haven't got a dog in the fight. You haven't got a right to comment. Um, and I just think that's a really powerful, powerful thing to think about. Um, even in our own language, what are we saying to people when they come to uh, come to you with ideas? You know, how are we encouraging them rather than being that dick who just rains on the parade all the time? You know, just yeah, because we've all got our narratives, man. I'm sure you've got some narratives going on in your head. Yeah, t- t- totally agree. You know that we had. Um Gemma Rose on before talking about, you know, the three things of people tell themselves, you know, I'm not worthy, I'm not lovable, I'm not yeah. good enough. And then when no one s- stops in to either break that cycle, it cycles them down to this funky pathway of their own talk to it, you know. And one of, uh, a friend of mine a, a while ago, I was sort of asking, we were talking about, you know, my career path and stuff. And he said, you know, he's like, you kind of, one in that area because you were naive to not realise that you didn't know what was happening. You just kept going because you just be- <laughs> believed, right? You just keep going. Yeah. And there's something to that where there's this kind of, I don't know if it's radical optimism or just self-confidence by by design, but it, it, whether if you have it or you don't, mine was the other way. I didn't have much and I wanted I wanted a lot. Some people, they don't, they've got so much, but they don't feel like they have anything. You know, it's that self-talk yeah. which they'll literally tell themselves. And Bruce, you probably touched on something there. It may even go deeper to the fact of it's almost like before the external other people tall poppy them and bring them down with the tall poppy syndrome, yeah. maybe the majority of people are doing it to themselves before they even get started. So they get double downed, right? Oh, totally. And, you know, I mean, I, I think you speak fondly of your mother. Is that right? Um, mm-hmm. Strong upbringing. Is that right? Uh, I've got to make sure I get that right. Yep, yep. No, no, very, um, yep, yep, yep. She's not shit, yeah, yeah, that's cool, for sure. <laughs> go get on. Get it, mum. <laughs> But, but, you know, you grew up um, in a tricky situation. Dad died young, you know, and, and something, you know, that's that sort of survival. I've got another mate of mine who was brought up in uh, Otanga, uh, a single mum family, and she just said, you know, you're you good enough, you're great, you're an amazing, he's a young, he's a Cook um, Maori boy. And he's doing really well in life because he's just had that installed from, in him from a very young age. Where when I was brought up, I was told I was, you know, a sissy, useless, pathetic, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And I had to sort of do a lot of self-work on myself to kind of go actually I'm not those things I'm not going to believe that narrative you know you're not in the ring with me so you can just get the hell out of it and I'm going to focus on actually being the person I think I can be and sometimes you need help to do it right I I married a good woman so she Amanda reminds me uh, you know when I get into that self talk is that you know where's that coming from that's not you so let's push through that Um, but it is amazing it just gets in the way uh, I think of brilliance and I see it, like I said to you before, I see it in young people and I go, my job, if I see a young person, is to change that narrative, is to, yeah. is to be that one teacher or that one person in their life that goes, you know what, bro, that's bullshit. Don't buy it, don't live it, don't believe it, move through it and let's, help, let's work a plan for you to discover greatness in who you are, as you are. Well, it's even that point of even prof- professionally if they're saying it's about mindset personally it's the exact same thing you know to that point you talked about before not being in the the arena it's um there's this nba little interview i was watching the other day and they were talking about twitter trolls and they said you know who cares what you know saggy pants 246 from idaho thinks when they've never actually bounced the ball on the court or or whatever you know it's like around you but it becomes it's very difficult to 
navigate that because if you don't have you know people in your circle it's that that saying like big sean you know i've got people in my circle but they're not in my corner i got people that are yeah, close like to a, me but they don't like, actually have my back and it's something i've taken yeah. to heart really especially these last couple of years of going you know like be very mindful of who's around you with what self-talk it is you know when you bring up an idea is the feedback on oh, no, our stuff that bro like that, that's way too weak or it's all negative and toxic or is it hell yeah dude like let's f- try and do it like how, what could we how do we put fuel on the fire not water fuel on the fire not water Correct. and maybe it's Correct. just overarching thing of there's probably a potential lack of self-awareness around so many kiwis that are either running businesses or just on their own pathway to whatever realizing that potentially the self-talk that they've been telling themselves of their narratives of you know i'm not worthy enough i'm not lovable enough i'm not good enough i'm not pretty enough i'm not i'm not enough boom, 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 to be like stuff that noise you know so it, it becomes yeah, this exactly it, it's this attack of how do we sort of crank up the dial to help more Kiwis um, think and be better, right? Yeah. And, and, and also just giving permission for things. You know, it's okay to fail. But mm. Like if you work in Agile methodology, Agile methodology is all about failing fast and, rec- and pivoting, right? And, and yet we don't do it as a humanity. And, and just saying to us, it's actually okay to fail. As long as you're moving forwards towards greater humanity or greater person, then... It's actually okay to fail, bro, and I've got you. Uh, we talked about this last week. I, I think I said to you last week was, you know, you've got to be careful with who you surround yourself. You know, you can soar with the eagles or, or, or hang around with the turkeys. And there's a point, too, where you've actually got to look at the people that are in your life and, and who are the people that are enriching you, giving to you, building you, uh, loving you for who you are, accepting you, uh, and who are in your corner, in your arena, only wanting to see the best for you. Well, they're the people you need to hang around with, and um, everyone else can basically go and take a jump. I mean, I'm 37 now, and I still am just learning even more of it. You know, the circle gets smaller. The the and yeah. it's that question of are you are the fire. Is everyone around you putting gas or water? You know, in New Zealand, to your point, yeah. they're saying you know, fail fast. In New Zealand, if you fail, it's like that's bad. In America, you fail, it's like sweet. Yeah. That's one thing you don't do quicker. And it's the mindset of momentum is so different mentally when I. I have conversations in New Zealand versus states. The classic one would be in New Zealand, people look at Peter Beck from Rocket Lab and like, oh my gosh, this guy's such an outlier. He's so crazy. Oh my blah, 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 blah. Like this, he's so, you know, this crazy alien. In America, it's like, <laughs> dude, he's just, he, he's in, he's in, he's in space startup. He's an entrepreneur. Cool. Yeah. Next. And what is seen yeah. as the outlier in New Zealand is seen as the norm here in the States. And it's this different mindset shift where you think, man, how much better would it be if we had a hundred of the Peter Becks? A thousand of them. Ten thousand. hundred thousand. Yeah. Do the math. Yeah. yeah. All doing the best. So, yeah, I just, I guess my challenge to, to people, including myself, is kind of going, what narratives are keeping you up at night? What things are coming to your head? What's the first feeling or thought you have when you try something new and challenge it? Pause take it on board, listen to it, and then challenge it if it doesn't feel right. And if you yeah. can't challenge it by yourself, seek some help and get some mates around you that can help you challenge it. Yeah, just don't buy the lie. Don't buy oh, the man. lie. I, I always yeah. like our chats, Bruce. It always seems to weave with no surprise between professional and personal because there's this underlying thing of, you know, when it's the human that does both, both things matter. So I really appreciate your time as usual. Always, man. Always. Take care. Much love, brother. All right, that was the bro, Bruce Pilbrow. He's the CEO of Spirit of Adventure. A very smart man indeed. He's got lots of lots of wisdom. Married for over 30 years. He's, you know, he knows what's up in terms of all things. Uh, almost at the end of the show now. Any feedback or, you know, questions or comments from today's show, just text me through on 3920. Uh, you know, my mum always told me, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And so I think you need to challenge yourself to say, yes, I am worthy, I am lovable, and I am good enough. There you go. 
Coming up next, we recap. We're going to get into the hour. Time now is 1.54pm. From San Francisco. And streaming now on Facebook Live. It's Rebet Live with how to turn your passion into profit. On Today FM. Coming up to the end of the show, 158 in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Thanks for joining us. Big thanks to Big G behind the ones and twos, making sure the technology works as I'm halfway around the world. Big thanks to all our guests today. Quick little recap. What did we learn? Number three, three things. One, you are worthy. Two, you are lovable. Three, you are good enough. Pretty simple. The things to check into, Diary of a CEO from Stephen Bartlett. One plus one equals three, which is the book. And Scaling Up, those are the three things for podcasts to be able to check out. Diary of a CEO, one plus one equals three, and Scaling Up. Before we finish, it is Mama's Book of Wisdom. Mama gave me this, well, Mom gave me this book. Um, and in it, she's got a whole bunch of different things. And one of this week's quote that she says for me is, lose your temper, <laughs> and it's you who loses out. Oh, well, thanks, Mum. Uh, very, very accurate for me this week. Uh, there's certain things bobbing, and sometimes I'm just like, what the fuck? Uh, but you just need to calm, breathe, and pause the centre. But yeah, quite, quite a timely. Lose your temper, and it's you who loses out. There you go. All right. Have a good rest of the weekend, team. Much love, Aotearoa, and I'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us in. Rolling. Much love, all. Peace.